Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Shambhu 
I would imagine that most of you know the story, but many years ago, uh, I was in Benares. That, you know this chant, it's to uh, Shiva, of course. Harahara Mahadev, Mahadev the great God, great Lord. Mahadev Shambho, Kashi Vishwanath, who lives in the form of the Lord of the universe, Vishwanath, the master of the universe. At Kashi, which is the, another name for Banaras, Varanasi, Kashi. Kashi Vishwanath on the banks of the Ganga. And of course, Banaras is this town that borders the, the Ganga and all the on the banks of the river, there's all these ashrams and there's bathing ghats and big steps up, up to the temples and ashrams above. And uh, many years ago, uh, we were out on a, you can take a, a rowboat. A boatman will take you out into the river and up and down the Ganga as the sun is setting, it's so beautiful. The gods are bathed in golden light and the river reflects it and it's so peaceful and calm. It's just extraordinary. And we were floating down the river very peacefully. Oh, it's so beautiful. Me, a couple of the devotees and Mr. Tuari was there at the time. And uh, I think Mr. Tuari was there at the time. Anyway, so... On the banks of the river, there's all these little rowboats and these uh, pandas, these priests, will row out into the middle of the, the, the river to offer you, give you a chance to give them some money in return for which they'll do a little puja for you on the water. They'll float some lights out there on some, in little leaf cups and say some prayers. But we weren't interested. We were just floating down the river, just very calm, very beautiful. And... <laughs> And we saw these two rowboats coming from opposite directions towards us. And they were frantically rowing to see which one would get there first. And as they got closer, we heard some music. And uh, <clears throat> as they got closer, we realized that they had boom boxes on their little, little boats. And, and they got closer and closer and closer. And they were playing me. <laughs> Couldn't believe it, singing this song, Hara Hara Mahadev Shambhu. It was uh, astounding. It was really a trip. It was so funny. It was funny. Okay, let's take some questions. Can you please talk about apology? Do you think it's okay to ask someone to apologize if they did something that was upsetting? but are being defensive in general and with no apology forthcoming? Or is it best to simply try not to hold on to negative acts, etc., regardless of other people's actions? Well, you have to find out what works for you. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, you have some relationship with this person even if it's just a work relationship or uh, some kind of relationship. And obviously this person did something that, in your opinion, betrayed the trust that you had in that relationship. Uh, 
I don't think that uh, it's useful to try to get somebody else to apologize. But you could certainly try to open up a conversation about it. And then maybe the person will explain to you why they acted that way. And maybe you'll see that it was something you did that you weren't aware of, or at least that the way that person perceived something you did that caused them to act that way. It's just, it's like this, this, this stew of crap. <laughs> Relationships are so, so little shows on the surface, you know, of what's really going on underneath, what people really want, what they really mean, what they really say. Uh, it's uh, relationships, having a good relationship takes a lot of practice. It's an art and uh, it's a lot of work. So you have to think of it, you find out what, feel it out and see how you feel it's best for you to deal with it and then try something. You'll learn a lot, one way or the other, that's for sure. On the other hand, uh, many years ago, I was in uh, Arizona. Sharon Salzberg and I, many other people, we were at a teaching of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And it was a three-day teaching, I think, about what they call bodhicitta, which is... Uh, the enlightened, compassion, uh, selfless, caring, and kindness for all beings. And it's something that needs to be cultivated and worked on until all beings in the universe, you can see, you can hold them in your heart, in a heart as wide as the world. So all the teachings for three days were on this kind of compassion, kindness. And then the last session, His Holiness took questions that were written out beforehand. And the translator uh, was picking the questions and reading them to His Holiness. And the translator said, Your Holiness, this person writes, uh, I did something that hurt somebody once. And I apologized but they wouldn't accept my apology. And I've kept apologizing as time has gone on. It's been three years I've been apologizing and they will not accept my apology. What should I do? So now, His Holiness the Dalai Lama answered. He said, you keep apologizing. One year, two years, three years, you keep apologizing. Four years. They don't accept the apology. Tell them to go to hell. <laughs> I went, what? Now, because I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, does not tell people to go to hell. That's just not possible. He wouldn't say that because if he says it, they will. And that's not compassion. So I asked Bob Thurman after the teaching was over. I said, Bob, what did he really say? Bob speaks Tibetan. He said, you keep apologizing. One year, two years, three years, you keep apologizing. After four years, they don't accept the apology. Tell them to eat shit. That's how you say go to hell in Tibet. Uh, that was too great. I loved it. So the point is, you can't change another person. 
All you can do is make an offering of your availability, your openness, your willingness to talk about it. If they're not interested, they're not interested. Tell them to eat shit in your mind. Don't say it out loud. So, think about it. When I sit in meditation and sing, especially Hanuman Chalisa, I start to shake. Is this Kundalini? Why can't I stop moving? I don't know. Uh, maybe you're trying too hard. Try to relax. Maybe you're, it, it could be a nerve type of thing. Maybe your body's getting tense. Uh, maybe as you're trying to relax and open, uh, maybe you're having some kind of reaction. You know, I don't, I've never had any kundalini, quote unquote, those kind of kundalini experiences. You know, in those days in India, you know, a lot of people were going to see Swami Muktananda and other babas and stuff, and people would tell us, oh, they jumped up and down and made noise like chickens and barking like dogs and bouncing, all kinds of things. All I can tell you is that being with Maharaji, nothing like that ever happened. It was only love. Only love. All the time. There wasn't any of those kind of experiences. Sometimes there were deeper kind of where you opened up inside, your heart burst open. But there weren't those kind of what they, those kind of so-called Shakti experiences. I don't, I don't know what they are. But relax, take it easy. Uh, no, no more questions, okay? Because every time you put a new question on, I lose my place. Uh, please tell me how your life really changed after chanting. Uh, because I need a real overhaul. I'm stuck and lifeless and sick and really need some hope. Thank you. I have a deep yearning for God. At the same time, I want to get away from everyone and just look after myself. Is this wrong? Is my yearning even real? Well, I don't know. How would I know? Uh, I can tell you that uh, from what you write here, the feeling stuck and feeling lifeless could be physical, and maybe, you know, or it could be uh, psychological because of the pressure and the anxiety and the fear that we're surrounded by these days, for sure. And, at that, and when you feel like that, you imagine if you could get away from other people, you'd be okay. But you wouldn't be, guaranteed, because you're bringing everything with you. Uh, you say you have a derp, deep yearning for God. That's good. But where do you think this God is? The reason we cultivate kindness, compassion, and caring for other beings is because inside of every other being is God, your own true self. We are one. When you are unkind to others, you are being unkind to yourself. That's what they say. You know, then. And so 
when we're being unkind to others or reacting against others and fearful, that's just psychological suffering, which is creating more suffering for ourselves. So I, there are no quick answers. I don't know what's wrong and what's right for you, but uh, certainly there's nowhere to go where uh, you'll be free of your own stuff. Everywhere you go, you'll bring it with you. So it's best to try to release it right now, right here, where we are. We just sang for an hour and a half. And if you were really singing, you wouldn't have been thinking about yourself. All this is thinking about yourself. Evaluating, judging, and reacting against what you consider to be suffering. Uh, there's probably many psychological issues going on that are making you and others feel this way, especially in these times. Come on, it's crazy times. Very painful, very difficult times. So let's take it easy on ourselves, okay? You know, let's just chill a bit. Let's not try so hard. Let's just try to get through each breath until the next day and then the next day. Look, we've been doing this for a year now. How much of that year in between every Thursday have we been paying attention? How much of that year have we been lost in our own thoughts and our own stories? And this is why we suffer, because our own stories, our own psychological stuff is eating us alive. But when we're singing, it's not eating us, is it? And if it is eating us, the chanting is the door out of that for those period of time that we're chanting together. And as we do these practices, as we chant, we're developing an inner kind of strength that changes the way, changes our relationship with our thoughts and our stories, etc., etc. It's a practice that brings fruit over time. So try not to be so hard on yourself. Try to relax. Try to take it easy. Try not to react so strongly. And just keep breathing. Everything changes. I love this. He said, but... Where is it? Why is Ram sometimes illustrated with blue skin? I thought that was Krishna's trait. I'm not sure how to tell them apart. Every picture, every statue, every murti you've seen of the deities has been made by a human being. It's a representation of something that's beyond the human body, the human mind, the human incarnation. Who knows what these great beings really look like? I don't. So how can I answer that question? Ram is your own true nature, the love that lives within you as who you are right now, but don't recognize. Does that Ram have blue skin or green skin? I don't know. Maybe it's pink. Maybe it's yellow. Maybe it's black. Maybe it's brown. Does it matter? I don't think so. It's the love that matters. Don't get caught in this other stuff. <clears throat> ah, 
is another complainer. <laughs> is every Thursday the same exact chance? Haven't tuned in for a while, but it seems to be the same chance as in the beginning of COVID. I'm sorry if you don't enjoy. I just sing what comes out of my mouth. I don't plan it. It's the power of the name and the repetition of the name that's going to free you from thinking you are who you think you are. I remember the first time I sang out in L.A., one of the first times, no, no, it was the first time I ever got a review in a newspaper. I think it was on the front page of the L.A. Uh, entertainment section. It said, this guy, Christian, knows, he looks like a dentist. That's what it said. <laughs> I look like a dentist. And, he said, and everything he does is so repetitive. But, you know, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's been a year. What have you learned during this year that you think you might not have learned without the enforced isolation? Ah. I've learned that I need a lot of sleep. <laughs> uh, it's been, uh, by his grace, I've had a, a fairly good year. I've been able to, I thrive when I, have, when I can do the same things every day. I don't mind eating the same thing almost every day. When I can get up and do what I have to do, sit and sing and do whatever practices I do, if it's the same every day, I, I kind of relax into that. I open up into that. Even when I'm touring, we try to do it the same. You know, we, we get up, we don't go early planes. We, we have the mornings off so we can get our stuff done and wake up slow and get enough sleep. So for me, it's been a very uh, nourishing time and painful at times because my mind eats me up just the way anybody else's mind eats them up. But all the years of practice and, and all the chanting and all the, the name, the repetition of the name and meditation has to some degree softened the blow of those feelings, softened the, the intensity of the self-hatred and the anger and the shame and the fear and the guilt and the anxiety. Practice is the only saving grace. Whatever you consider practice, do it. Can you talk about ego trips? I'm sewing a friend's wedding dress. I'm really nervous about doing a good job, but I'm also thinking about everyone telling me how beautiful it is. How can I release my attachment to the outcome? Well, there's a lot of that, that statement has, is multi-level, to say the least. But let's deal with the most simplest level. Uh, you do the best you can. And whatever people think, that's their problem. 
if you've done the best you can, you could be at ease with that if you let yourself. But there's so much self-hatred, self-judgment, and need for outside approval that it usurps any kind of uh, peace of mind. It destroys any kind of peace that we might be able to access. So you notice it, and you come back to the sewing. The sewing sewing is your object of awareness. The thoughts about the future, what what are they going to say, whether they like it, they won't like it, that's not now. That's thinking of something, of the future. You let it go and come back to the sewing. That's the practice. And when you're thinking about how do I get over this attachment, you let that go and you come back to the sewing. That's how you use that as practice. Or you repeat your mantra while you're sewing, while you're, and every time you notice that you're thinking about one of those things, you come back to the mantra and you release it, come back to the mantra. And if people don't like it, what are you going to do? You did the best you could. It doesn't matter what people think. There's that Rumi poem. How does it go? I can't remember the beginning of the poem, but the end of the poem ends. <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 da. It doesn't matter what people think. Start a big, huge, foolish project like Noah. <laughs> when Noah was building the ark, people thought he was out of his goddamn mind. But, right? So you build your ark and have confidence that you're doing the best you can. And it doesn't matter what people, it certainly doesn't matter what you think people will think. That's just you beating yourself up. Jasper, my four-year-old son, loves your music and gets excited when you're on here live. He wants to say thank you and hello, so you know who he is. Hi, Jasper. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm glad you like the chanting. (laughs) Can you talk about the balance or dance of feeling grief, letting go, and acceptance? On one hand, I am practicing letting go and accepting a loss. Yet I think there can still be space for grief, grief and gratitude or grief and acceptance, not holding on to it. Yes, of course, we are human beings. We have all these emotions and they're not necessarily to be killed and crushed. You can't. If you push things away, they stick to you. So... We can feel grief and we can feel the space around the grief as well. Like Ramdas. I miss Ramdas every day. But at the same time, I feel his presence and I feel his love and I feel the joy of having known him for 50 years and being close to him for 50 years. So I can miss that. But in order to get lost in that, I'd have to deny his presence right now, which I can't, and why would I? So both things can exist at the same time. I miss him, 
I miss other friends of mine who have died, left the body. But at the same time, I feel connected to them still. Perfectly all right. Perfectly natural. You can't push away emotions. You can't crush them. You bow to them. You can offer them a cup of tea or coffee, have a little conversation with them, and then they'll, they'll go to the, they'll move away. If you try to fight with them, you won't win. You just suffer. So, I once wrote a song. Uh, how'd it go? I have the ego of a lover and it's easy to see the pain of separation is sweet to me. <laughs> how did I remember that? That's a long time ago. Over 40 years ago. I can see Neem Karoli Baba's picture in the background. How did I meet him and what's my spiritual journey? Uh, welcome. It's nice to meet you. You obviously haven't been around much. Uh, it's too long a story, but guess what? I wrote a book about it. <laughs> and it's also an audio book. It's called Chance of a Lifetime. Knock yourself out. The other day I had a vision where I felt like I had darshan with Neem Karoli Baba. What are some ways you maintain contact with your guru? Chanting? Yes. And that's why I started chanting with people after 21 years after he died, is that I needed to find a way. I needed to find his hand again. I had let go of his hand. And even though he had not let go of mine, I wasn't feeling it, so I needed to find that hand again. I needed to find a way to enter more deeply into his presence again, or I wasn't going to make it. So this is the gift that chanting has given me. It, has, it brings me into a deeper connection with him, a deeper awareness of my connection with him. But it's not just the chanting practice. That's a technique. That's a big part of it. But you have to bring that practice into your daily life. You have to treat other people with some respect and kindness. You must learn to treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's not easy. And you get the strength to do that through practice, from practice. But you have to make an effort to see your programs and see the way you treat people and see the way you go through your day. And eventually, everywhere you go and everyone you meet will become Maharaji. And then, of course, everyone will bring you that joy because you'll be seeing the Guru in, in them, or their soul, which is the soul of the universe, in them. And that's how you go from the many to the one. Right now, we're in the many. But, even, but the many is, is surrounded and, and held within the one. But we only see the many. We don't see the one yet. Through practice and, and the aspiration to be a good human being, 
our vision is refined and made more subtle. And then even though we can see individual differences, we see the sky around it all, so to speak, the space around all those differences. And we see that we're all held within this huge, vast presence, this vast space. So,
마들가 제자가 담배 마들가 제자가 담배 마들가 내자가 담배 마들가 Emadurga, 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 Emadurga. Emadurga, 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 Emadurga. Jagadambe Madurga, Jagadambe Madurga. Jagadambe Madurga, Jagadambe Madurga. Guru Charana Saroja Raja Nijamana Mukur Sudhara Varna Raghubhara Dhamala Jasu Chodaya Kupala Chara Buddhin Tanujane Ke Sumeram Pavan Kumasyaram Alam de vidya de umohi, Arhu kales beka, Siavara ram chanda parje sharanam, Chehanuman gyan gunasad, Chekapisati loka ujad, Ramadurta tulta baladam. Anjani Putra Pavan Sutanam Mahavir Bikram Bajaran Martindivar Sumati Kesan Kanchanavaran Viraj Subesa Kanana Kund 
Sadhu Santake Marakovar Asura Nekandana Ramadula Ashta Siddhino Nidikedata Asavaradina Chanakimat Ramarasayan Kumare Pasa Sadaro Horagupati Kedasa Hare Bhajana Rama Kopali Janama Janama Kedika Pisarava Antakala Ragumbara Pura Jai Jahan Janama Hare Bhattakahai Or Devata Chittana Darai Hanumata Sesara Sukkakarai Sankata Kate Mirte Sabapira Yosumere Hanumata Balabira Jeje Hanuman Gosai Kapakaro Guru Devakinai Chosatabara Pata Kadoko Shutahi Bandi Mahasukahoi Joya Parahanuman Chalisa Joya Siddhisaki Gaurisa Tulasidas Sadaharichir Kijenatha Hurdaya Mandir Avanatanaya Sankataranam Angalamurti Rupsiyaram Namalakana Sita Zaita Gurdeva Sarasura Bhupa Siyamara Ramachandra Padadesharana Angalamurti Marutananda Sakalamangala Murtimartananda Sakalamangalamuranekan Sri Ram Jayaram Jayaram Sri Ram Jayaram Jayaram Sri Ram Jayaram Sitaram 
सीताराम सीताराम जय सीताराम 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 जय anything about a path at all. If we know that there might be a way to live in this world in a good way, with an open heart, without fear, and maybe some peace of mind, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us on this path. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, all of us be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live at ease of heart, at peace with whatever comes to us in life.
Namaste. Take good care. See you soon. Ram Ram.